I continue our look at the cross today. This will be the fourth week in which we're looking at uh, the cross and the significance of it. Uh, we start with a message called the message of the cross and how it's mighty to save. And our scripture was taken out of 1 Corinthians. We discuss salvation and redemption and the wrath of God and how we have found confidence and faith in who Jesus is and what he came to do by giving his life. The second message we looked at was the power of the cross. And we discovered the power of the cross was love. It was the significance of love and how he and Jesus went to the cross because he had a, a divine commitment and devotion to us. Last week we talked about the proof of the cross in which we saw Thomas witness the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that means for us today. Now the message today is called the loyalty to the cross. And our scripture is taken out of Matthew chapter 10 verses 34 through 39. So we'll take a look at that this morning. Jesus is speaking to uh, his followers, and he wants to make something very, very clear. So look at the scripture. Jesus said, Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be uh, the members of his own household. He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his, take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Powerful and significant words. You know, Bible study is a very interesting thing. We read about circumstances, and we read about people, and we read about choices in the Bible, and then occasionally we come across a verse that just jumps off the page at us. And you know, there was a situation that happened in the ministry of Christ at the time, at the end of his earthly ministry, in which he was brought before the authorities. He was brought before the Sanhedrin, as you recall. They condemned him to die. And then he was brought before Pontius Pilate. And leading up to that point, Pontius Pilate had a tradition that during the festival, the Passover, he would release a prisoner to the crowds. And he went to the crowd and said, who should we release? And the crowd said, Barabbas, who was a murderer and a seditious individual. And then he said something that just jumps off the page for us today. And it's found in Matthew chapter 27, verse 22. If we have that, it said this. And Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? And they all said, Crucify him. What stands up here is a question that I think has been thundering through the ages. What shall we do with Jesus? What will we do with this one who is called the Christ? So the question is, as we think about the loyalty to the cross, what does Jesus have to say about our devotion regarding Him? What does He have to say? What we do with believers sets the standard of how we relate to others and how they relate to us. We think about our commitment to Christ. Our first point of this message this morning, again the title is the loyalty to the cross, is this. Our loyalty is most personal. We see in verses 34 through 36 that we just read, it was important for us to see that there is a division that Jesus brings. Supposedly the most important and intimate relationships that we have in our life are our families. 
And there are ways that our relationship to Christ reflect in our close relationship with others. When Jesus came into our life, and when we became a Christian, and our lives share, and our families share the same persuasion about Christ, that those that we love most deeply and the most intimate relationships that we have in this world, our family have come to know Christ and they became Christians, that when we became a Christian, it was a time of celebration. It was a time to look at life. It was a time to experience faith. It was a time to embrace hope. That the family can experience that. It's a time of great joy as we see our family members come to know Jesus Christ. That there is the other end. When we become a Christian and our families are not, there is a change. There is a change. The change brings anything from tolerance to oftentimes, unfortunately, angry opposition. The tension comes by several things I want to share with you this morning. You see, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but because of the conviction and the changes of our heart and our devotion to Him will bring hardship in our life because of our closeness with those that we love. The tension comes by their own conviction. Somewhere along their lives, their life, in their experience, they come to know that there's a need for Christ. And they acknowledge their own need. But instead of embracing that and moving toward Christ, they will, they will ignore Him. And we're a constant reminder of that. And so tension comes in those lives who do not believe in Jesus, and we represent His presence. Tension also comes from a perceived attitude of what a Christian is supposed to be. Those who oppose Christians and those who face this opposition to the work of God in individuals' lives may have had a bad experience with Christians. You know, sometimes Christians, God bless us, but sometimes we say and do the things that are just so opposite of what God wants to do in the kingdom in our lives. We have to be very careful about our testimony and how we behave toward others and how we respect individuals. Because people will form opinion about what it's like to be a Christian based on their experience with us. And oftentimes we've all experienced that maybe we had made a bad choice and we probably could have brought a stumbling block in a person's life. This tension also could be embraced because an individual might have a prejudiced view because of someone important in their life about what a Christian's all about. Do you catch all that? Somebody in this lost person's life has given a prejudiced view of what a Christian is supposed to be, and that has poisoned the heart of someone about what it's like to be a believer. Maybe the tension comes because of ignorance. Ignorance because of the big change, the life change that we've experienced when we come into Christ. The joy that we embrace. The hope that we encounter. A song came to my mind when I wrote this down in my notes just the other day. Do you remember that song since Jesus came into my life? It's a joyous song. It's a happy song. But oftentimes, people who have not experienced the joy of the Lord do not know the happiness and the peace that we experience. Maybe that tension comes from those who don't understand because Jesus does not fit in their own personal spirituality. We are spiritual beings. We have an understanding of eternity. 
We have the knowledge of our failings. We have the knowledge of hope. We have the knowledge of sin. We have the knowledge of the eternal things. We have some kind of knowledge of God. And if we don't express and embrace the message of the, step of the Scripture, then we're left to our own devices. And when we leave, are left to our own devices, we find ourselves oftentimes resisting Jesus Christ. Because He just doesn't fit the spirituality that we, what we choose to believe. So herein lies the challenge of our loyalty. As believers, if we have a believing family, it's a time of celebration. But as believers, and if we have a family that's not believing, there's tension, there's frustration, there's misunderstanding, there's confusion. And oftentimes, there's division. So, our loyalty. Let me give you a definition of loyalty. It's our dedicated devotion, faithfulness, and love to Jesus Christ. This doesn't give us a reason to cop an attitude to those who don't believe. We're not better than any other individual that God has created. We're just redeemed. And in fact, this doesn't give us a reason to bring a bold or brazen attitude, but rather humility. Jesus even respected those who, he, who rejected him. Paul said to seek peace with all men. In fact, hostile hostility should come from the unbelieving, but it should not come from us. Our loyalty is most decisive. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, it says this. Oh, no, everything. Okay, Matthew 10, 37. Yes, okay, so um, we see our loyalty to Christ surpasses our devotion, uh, our family. That's supposed to, uh, it's supposed to be family dedication. Okay. So, let me just go off my notes here. Our loyalty to Christ surpasses even our family dedication. Jesus comes on strong in Matthew chapter 8, verses 21 and 22. Let's look at that. Let me just read it. Okay. Matthew 8, verses 21 and 22. And another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me, and allow the dead to bury their own dead. That sounds very severe, doesn't it? It sounds very, very harsh. Well, the thing is, is that we don't see the whole picture of what's going on here. You see, the father's not actually dying. This individual that says, let me go bury my father, because when people died in that particular culture, they buried them the same day. So the message of this, this potential disciple here is this. This guy is seeing some far-off day of commitment and a delayed discipleship. And Jesus said to him, follow me now. And he says this. Allow the dead to bury their own dead. A harsh statement indeed, but he's actually saying this. 
Let the undecisive dead and in heart and cold toward God wait for their perceived time and opportunity. You hear me? Basically, what he's saying is this. I'll follow you as soon as my dad dies. And Jesus is saying, you're spiritually cold toward God. The issue is not the dying of the Father, it's more devotion toward Him. So there was no intention for Him to follow. It was procrastination. He was stalling. We cannot use our family as an excuse not to follow Jesus in our lives. Jesus takes us where we are regardless of the baggage. Jesus has a lot to say about what our relationships are about. And he takes us just where we are. His commands are a huge, high standard of dedication and loyalty. I don't believe we as Christians have been taught clearly how important our loyalty and devotion is to be to Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, we can either take him or leave him. We can just turn the channel if we don't like the show. We can change the brand if our taste happens to change. But when we look to Christ, Christ makes it very, very clear. It's all or nothing is what he's telling us. He's either a Messiah or he's a maniac. Historically, a master and his disciple... We're not very close. There wasn't that devotion and that loyalty that we see that Jesus has called the disciples to, as well as ourselves. And in fact, a master would allow his disciple to pursue interests that stood above their allegiance to the master. So you can follow the master, but if you have a higher interest, the master let him go. Jesus said, that's not what I'm saying here. My life, my devotion, my commitment to you should be sought beyond our own personal desires. The demands are great. Our loyalty to Christ even surpasses ourselves. It tells us in Matthew 10, 38. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. To take up his cross. We've often heard, well, this is just the cross that I bear. That's not what Jesus is saying here. This is not putting up with a trial, or a difficulty, or a hardship, or an ailment. The cross that we bear. Oh, it's my sore, my sore shoulder, it's the cross that I bear. Oh, I walk with Jesus closer, but I'm married to a person who's a, an unbeliever. That's the cross that I bear. That's not what Jesus is saying here. What he's telling us here is that we've not only been moved from the cross of Christ that we've been looking at for the last three weeks, but we're looking to our personal application of the cross is this. It's the personal desire and sacrifice of one's life to the person and the cause of Christ. Loyalty. Dedication. And devotion to Jesus. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Paul is heading toward Jerusalem in this scenario of the scripture. Now remember, we're remembering loyalty and what all that means. 
He's in a town called Miletus right now. He had passed over Ephesus. And he called back to the church in Ephesus, and I said, he said, I want to talk to the elders. Would you come? And the elders traveled the distance between Miletus, Miletus and Ephesus to come and hear what Paul had to say. And Paul said to them, do you remember how I came? How I worked hard? And how the ministry wasn't compromised? Do you remember how I lived? Do you remember what I had to say? But he says this toward the end of his conversation with them. He says, but I do not consider my life any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. He says three things that are very important here. He says, first of all, he does not consider his life as important to himself. You're not in this life for you. We've been taught in our society that we don't find success, we don't find peace and happiness until we're self-actuated, actualized. Until we put ourselves first. That we become our best friend. There's a phrase out right now that really concerns me. It's, you be you. That's a dangerous thing. Because it focuses on who we are rather than our orientation to God. You are here because of God. You are here. You were created that you would have a relationship with God that would go on to eternity. That's our purpose. And he says, I don't count my life as any account dear to myself. But he says this, I'm going to finish the course. That's the path of life. I'm going to finish the course that God has laid before me to walk in. The relationships, the responsibilities, the opportunities. I will navigate through these things that God has given to me. Because I don't count my life as being important to myself. I count what being important to me in my life is finishing the course that God has led me to live in. That's what Paul is telling us here. And he says this, to finish the ministry. And the ministry, he tells us. The service of the Lord. Now let's talk about our lives for just a moment, okay? Our directive here that we get this example from Paul is that we're to finish this life, this course, this navigation, these opportunities, these relationships, and the times and the resources that God has given to us. That we would finish the service in ministry toward God and service toward one another. I have a question for you. Ministry has radically changed in the last seven months. It will never be the same as it was before. We have a unique opportunity. Do you know that? We have a unique opportunity to birth a whole understanding of what ministry is all about. Now, we may say how uncomfortable we are, and we can complain that we don't like it. But Jesus didn't say that our life was going to be easy. Isn't it interesting that he has chosen us to live in the time in which we are right now? That we would experience what this has to do with our society and how it affects the kingdom world. We have an opportunity to reinvent ministry and what that's all about. So we need to be sensitive in that course that he's laid before us that we would know exactly where to be, what to be, and how to be that God's kingdom would be advanced through us. So ministry has to go on. This has to go on. It's different. We don't like it, but I can just say this. Tough. (laughs) 
What do you want to do? Give up? We've come this far? Are we just going to walk away? Really? I think this tells us who we are. We'll be strong. It's not going to be easy. So what happened to Paul in Acts chapter uh, 20, verse 36 through 38? What happened to him? Acts 20. Do we have it again? I don't think I highlighted it. So it says this. The time came. Paul was talking to the elders from Ephesus and he, the Bible tells us how he didn't consider his life of any account. But the time came, verse 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them. And they began to weep aloud and embrace Paul and repeatedly kissed him. Grieving especially for the word which he had spoken, that they should not, that should he, that they should see his face no more. And they were accompanying him to the ship. It's not easy. Sometimes we have to say goodbye in order to say hello. I think the hardest words that that came across the mouths of these believers as they looked at Paul, that they could not believe that they would ever see him again. Loyalty to the cross. And then Galatians 2.20 says this. Galatians 2.20 Paul carries his cross. Galatians. He says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in, in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. He says, I've died to myself. He decided to carry his cross. He was talking about the law and how the law appeals to our sinful nature. It appeals to our personal ambition and our human passion and pride. He says, I no longer live for myself, but I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and who died for me. In this last portion of scriptures taken out of Luke chapter 18, verses 28 through 30. The disciples were really confused about how ministry was unfolding and they needed some clarity. So Luke chapter 18 says this. Peter said, we have left our own homes and followed you. Do you notice the tone? <laughs> and he said to them, truly I say to you, there's no one who has left his house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much at this time and in the age to come, eternal life. We see that Peter is questioning. They counted the cost. They decided to leave. So we can understand the eternal benefits and the blessings. And Jesus has called us to look to the future. Loyalty to the cross. Loyalty to Jesus. We come back to that question that Pilate asked. What shall we do for the one who is called the Christ? 
So what are some takeaways that we can walk away with today from this message? We must know that there will be varying degrees of acceptance and rejection related to us being a Christian. You understand? We're going to know. It's going to happen. Jesus said, if they hated you, if they hated you, remember that they hated me first. If they loved you, know that they loved me. We must be loyal. That means to have a deep attachment and affection to Jesus Christ, far above our human experiences and relationships. We have a course set before us that's called Our Life in order to navigate through. And I appreciate the first song that we sang about Psalm 23, that Jesus is the great shepherd. And one of the huge responsibilities that a shepherd has is to lead his flock. Jesus is leading our lives and we have to see and understand. Sheep do not have a choice in following the shepherd. Another takeaway is our ministry. Every one of us have a job in the kingdom. Every one of us are called to participate. Your ministry has changed. Your service has changed. Now we switch gears a little bit about how and what that is to look like. We've been crucified with Christ, so we resist our personal ambitions and our choices in life. And we will wait to see the fullness and the benefits that this life will bring as we go on in the future. So, Jesus made it very, very clear that in order for us to follow Him, we have to die. In order for us to live, then we have to give our life to Christ. So what does that mean? It means whatever your life brings, whatever choices you have, whatever responsibilities and relationships that you embrace, let's all stand.